You are listening to The Tish with Rabbi Michael Knopf, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Rabbi Michael Knopf, please visit MikeKnopf.com. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. All right, good morning, everybody. Uh, this is um, our uh, final session of, uh, of, of the Tish together, um, which is um, uh, um, which is uh, um, uh, uh, sad for me because I really enjoyed this uh, this this time together for these past few years on, on Wednesday mornings, getting to learn together. We've um, um, uh, really a lot of people around this table have have, have really been. Uh, um, you know, stalwart, you know, almost uh, weekly participants over the past three years, and um, um, you know, it uh, you know feels like a, I'm, I'm losing a limb to, to be losing this uh, this session. Um, we, we studied a lot of great stuff. We studied uh, um, the Tomer Devora. Um, we studied uh, uh, Heschel and prayer. We studied um, um, the um, Sefer Achinoch, other things. Um, so I'm going to miss uh, this uh, this time of learning together. And so I thought for our last time together that uh, um, we would have a, uh, um, uh, an opportunity to um, ask me um, uh, any question that uh, you want to ask me, um, uh, aside from administrative questions. So I'm not going to <laughs> a- answer uh, uh, questions about, you know, um, uh, um, you know the the due structure at uh, Harzine, except for maybe theoretical. If you want to ask me theoretical questions, uh, and uh, and I don't want to uh, answer like questions about you know um, details about my move and things like that. I'm just sick of doing it and I'm sick of talking about it. So um, so anything other than that uh, is uh, is fair game. Uh, so the the floor is yours. Well, I wanted to ask you, like, when you realized you wanted to be a rabbi, like. Yeah. Uh, I'm still trying to figure that out. No, I uh, <clears throat> I think that uh, uh, it was really uh, toward the latter years of high school that I that I decided. Um, I don't think I, I firmly decided, but when I was uh, I was very involved in USY, uh, which was an, an incredible experience for me and uh, really transformative uh, for for my life. Um, uh, and I have a lot of people that uh, that, that I think publicly and privately for, for getting me involved in USY. Um, but uh, uh, during my um, during my sophomore year, I was uh, the religion and education vice president of my congreg- of my synagogue's chapter. And then um, my junior year of uh, high school, I was a chapter president. Uh, and then my senior year of high school, I was um, a regional religion education vice president. And then halfway through my senior year of high school, continuing on to my first year of college, I was uh, international religion and education vice president. And uh, I had first become religion and education vice president of my chapter in Atlanta um, because I I had been a day school kid and I wanted to be involved in leadership in USY. And I said, okay, well, this is my, this is my skill set. I know, you know, probably more in terms of like coordinating services and reading Torah and having ritual skills than people here. So like, this is a good opportunity for me to, uh, to, uh, to, to make a contribution and to be involved in, in USY leadership. And I discovered um, that I not only loved uh, being involved in Jewish leadership in general, um, but I, I, I specifically loved um, being able to construct 
meaningful Jewish experiences. Um, and uh, being in that position helped me see that. And, um, and so that's why I, I decided to uh, be, do that position on a regional level and then on an international level, um, because I really loved it. And I, I didn't really know a lot about being a rabbi. I didn't come from a rabbinic family, but I imagined in my high school mind is that like okay this must be like what it's like being a rabbi and I really love doing this and it, it's really um, uh, it, it feels really great so um, so I, I basically went to, off to college with the um, with the assumption that I was going to pursue the rabbinate I, I wanted I tried to pursue some other things in college too just to make sure that there weren't other things that were calling my heart but I kept on coming back to uh, to wanting to be a rabbi how did your parents react to that <laughs> um so uh, my parents ha- are are great and incredibly supportive, both of them. Um, and, uh, um, and and I say that not just because this is uh, being recorded in podcast, <laughs> um, uh, but they but but they are. Um, um, my, uh, my my parents are uh, at different places in the Jewish uh, spectrum. Um, uh, my dad is much more practically minded, uh, um, I guess you could say. Um, not that my mom's not practical, um, but very, you know, like, uh, talkless, like nuts and bolts. Like, um, he, he has a very sharp, he's a physician, um, a surgeon, so he's very precise, but, uh, but also has a, has a very sharp, uh, uh business mind. Um, so... Um, so his questions around the rabbinate um, were, were were very business oriented. First of all, dollars and what what's that? Yeah. First of all, how do you make a living, right? Uh, uh, and uh, um, uh, how do you make a living? But but also um, uh, how do you utilize that position um, uh, to uh, to build strong institutions? Um, uh, and uh, um, you know he he had uh, his his family especially uh, my my grandparents on my dad's side were very involved in our synagogue growing up um, so he had grown up in synagogue life and so he had seen you know the good and the bad um, of uh, from a congregant's perspective and also uh, meeting a lot of rabbis so he has a, he has a lot of uh, wisdom um, uh, uh, about it from from uh, the inside from. Uh, from from all from all perspectives, so so um, so he was very supportive, but but offered very pointed questions about uh, how I was going to be most effective in what I was doing. My mom um, is a, a little bit more traditionally observant than my dad is, um, and uh, um, a little bit more Jewishly engaged herself. Um, so for her, it was like. Um, Forgive the expression Christmas morning, uh, because like now she she has a rabbi on call that she you know she can uh, uh, call and uh, and I think I think she's uh, she's uh, um, uh, very excited and proud of it. She we I have two siblings and, and uh, um, they're both attorneys and so the, um, my parents are probably more proud of them. But uh, but uh, um, but uh, um, but but uh, uh, very very proud and very uh, excited and very supportive my whole time through uh, rabbinical school. My mom is probably where I get to, uh, to the extent that I have them, most of my pastoral skills from, which is very um, uh, sensitive and compassionate and uh, um, um, desiring to be present and helpful for people. Um, so she really um, got the possibilities um, a, a, um, of the work of being a rabbi and, and, and um, uh, gravitates to those herself. So um, uh, uh, she as well was, was uh, very enthusiastic and very supportive. All right, so you've made this commitment what do you see as the future of conservative Judaism, which is <laughs> a tough question? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> only 90 minutes of tape. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Sorry, I have a little <clears throat> frog in my throat. It's not that I'm avoiding your question. So, um, uh, all right. So, if you're asking me, what is the future of any particular um, organization or organizational structure? That's a harder question for me to answer. Um, because organizations uh, rise and fall, uh, and you know sometimes they're managed well and sometimes they're not. Um, I happen to think that the uh, institutions, the organizations within the conservative movement right now, um, are in a very uh, good place. They're being run by very capable individuals who are forward-thinking um, and uh, strong leaders. Um, uh, you know, as as one example, the, the United Synagogue, um, uh, as as you know, um, uh, had gone through um, uh, mirroring the um, the national decline of uh, synagogue membership. The the the, nat- the umbrella body of conservative synagogues was was itself um, uh, decaying uh, in a lot of ways, um, and uh, the new CEO, Steve Rabbi Steve Wernick, uh, uh, came into United Synagogue and really. Um, uh, um, did did a, a, an, an unbelievable job in working to uh, turn that institution around. Um, uh, whether it's enough, I, I don't know because I don't have a crystal ball. Um, but I, I I can I can I think say with confidence that if he couldn't do it. Um, and if what he did isn't going to be effective, then nothing was going to save United Synagogue. Well, and that really goes more yeah. to the question I'm asking. Right. So it's looking at declining numbers and aging. Well, I was going to take that question in a little different direction and not look so much at the umbrella organization, which I think, Rabbi, is where your answer was sort of. No, I, I just hadn't gotten a chance to finish it. Oh, okay. Oh, I'm sorry then. <laughs> That's fine. You, you well, I was going to get at, you know. <laughs> Places like Ziegler and JTS, and what effect they're going to have on conservative Judaism? You know, can they come up with a consistent message? I mean, my own concerns are orthodoxy seems to have a clear message as to what they're for. That's that, let me hedge that a little, but just and reform Judaism. But conservative, which has always been sort of in the middle, has always had, yeah. I think, difficulty in articulating a message as to why they are different. And can the, can the seminaries who are producing leaders like yourself and others articulate a message that's appealing to people? Right. So th- those are two different questions, whether the message is, um, is, is uh, well articulated or whether it's appealing to people. Sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, so so here's, here's what I want to say. Here's what I was going to say. Uh, um, uh, uh, in the second part of my answer to, to Lou's question, um, which is I, I, I can't necessarily predict what's going to happen to any given institution. Sure. Um, but, uh, but, but I can say that, um, that um, do I think that there is um, always a space, always going to be a space, and a rather large space, for, uh, for a Judaism that neither um, uh, <clears throat> uh, gives in totally to, um, uh, to, the, to the pressures and pulls of the outside culture, um, nor does it um, um, uh, um, acquiesce to, uh, to, the, to the rigidity of medieval norms. Um, 
uh, and tries to navigate the tension between those two poles, um, I think that there is always going to be a space for that kind of Judaism um, uh, because of the nature of the world in which we live. We live in a world that is um, uh, decentralized and non-hierarchical, um, in which um, um, uh, wisdom is widely available and accessible, um, in which people are um, are uh, are are seeking for uh, are, are are seeking uh, meaning and, uh, and and truth and spirituality and connection and the traditional forms of Judaism <clears throat> are I think deeply compelling for that reason and in that climate and at the same time um, we are in a democratic society with uh, that that cherishes um, intellectual honesty and academic freedom um, and for that reason. <coughs> Um, the um, the um, the the, uh, the um, rigidly hewing to the traditional forms without any um, uh, any uh, uh, questioning or skepticism um, is also an untenable position. So I, I think um, that um, that that the um, that the that the um, dynamic center of, uh, of of the Jewish spectrum, um, which conservative Judaism uh, embodies. Um, has a very strong and will continue to have a very strong place. Um, the, um, the the challenge I think is uh, is in the so and I don't think that that the, that the messaging is off on that. Um, I think that uh, um, I think that our, that our, that our message is is perfectly fine. Um, I think that um, I think what the, the the challenge that our institutions have had is that uh, is that we haven't done a good enough job. Um, uh, uh, embodying the best of that Judaism. Um, uh, so at uh, so so um, uh, uh, and what I mean by that um, is that uh, is that we've um, uh, we've we've cared too much about uh, um, uh, about uh, um, um, defining the parameters of what that kind of Judaism. Uh, means what it is and what it isn't. It's actually, in some ways, the opposite of what you're asking. We've 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 we've, we've uh, spent so much time uh, working on the parameters of what that Judaism is and isn't that we've created our own kind of orthodoxy. Um, and in doing so, we've forgotten about the people who um, who who make up our uh, or who make up our congregations or who should be making up our congregations and not. Uh, um, uh, uh, being attending uh, to their needs and meeting them where they are, we've been distracted, I think, by uh, by the work of self uh, uh, self identification. Uh, and so, what I what I think that uh, what I think the future of the movement is is moving away from the questions of okay, well, how do we define ourselves and how do we brand ourselves and how do we market ourselves to um, uh, how do we um, uh, mobilize the the tools of our tradition in a modern context, uh, in a contemporary context, and utilize them to help people flourish. And I think that when when we do that, conservative movement, I think, is best positioned of any of the um, uh, denominational streams of Judaism um, to, to do that because we speak both of the languages simultaneously. We speak the contemporary idioms uh, very well, and we speak um, the tr- you know we speak contemporary idioms I think better than the movements to our right, and we speak the traditional idioms better than the movements to our left. And so I think we're really well positioned to um, uh, to, to um, help use 
Judaism to help real people today flourish in ways that the other movements aren't. Um, so I think that the uh, um, that the the strength and the success of the of the other movements is is uh, is is earned. Um, but I think that the um, that the numerical picture that we see is in some ways a blip. Um, and I think that uh, that in a generation or two you'll see some of that turn around. I, I have a question. Now that, and I loved your answer, because I think that kind of gives us some kind of direction as well. But now that you've been here at Harzion, what would you identify as what gave you or assisted you in developing your rabbinate? I mean, what was most outstanding in your experience here that would change your direction? Hmm. It's a great question. Do we pay her for it? Ask. Um, I would say something. I would say something if the mic wasn't on. See, it's dangerous. Um, so I think that there, there, there are a few things, and they're a little bit uh, um, maybe conflicting with each other. Um, uh, the, the first is that, um, um, uh, uh, I've had the privilege of working with, I think, some of the, um, best Jewish professionals, um, that there are out there in the synagogue world. Um, I'll, I'll just talk about the ones who have been here during my tenure. Um, uh, Cantor Vogel, Rabbi Marshall, uh, Debbie Foles, Rabbi Albert, um, uh, are uh, really just at the top of their game, um, are uh, creative and thoughtful and, um, um, and sensitive and passionate <clears throat> and committed to this community. So I've learned a lot through working with them and, uh, and, and watching them. Um, I've learned a lot from each of the rabbis that uh, um, have, uh, have been here um, uh, in the senior rabbi position during my, my time here, as, uh, as, as you know, if there have been three of them. Um, and I've learned from them positively and negatively, um, uh, as I've learned from the other professionals positively and negatively, but, but I've had uh, um, the opportunity to learn from three very different rabbinic styles, um, uh, responding to three very different um, uh, uh, um, um, moments in the congregation's uh, history. Um, and so I've, I've really gotten to see um, um, some of the great and some of the not-so-great of, um, uh, of, of uh, how congregations um, go through uh, difficult uh, experiences, um, uh, how congregations um, uh, respond to crises, um, how congregations uh, uh, grow, how they shrink, uh, and how rabbis respond to those uh, um, uh, changing situations. Um, so those have been, I, I think, enormously helpful um, experiences to me um, uh, to learn, you know, from things that, uh, when, it's interesting, when I uh, interviewed here, um, I had a long conversation with Rabbi Stein, and he said to me something that, that uh, I carry with me to this day. He said that he always kept uh, three lists. He had a list of things that he saw other rabbis do that he wanted to replicate. He had a list of things that he saw other rabbis do that he said that he never would do. And he had another list of things that he never saw rabbis do but that he wanted to do. 
right? And during my time here, I've actually, I, 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 I've thought about that a lot because it's given me an opportunity to, um, to, to see, to really kind of flesh out those lists. Um, what? Because of your role models. Uh, no, but, uh, I, I but, don't want to ask which is the longest. No, no, no. <laughs> um, uh, but, but, but that's, but that's good. I mean, listen, you know, yeah, uh, we're, we're, um, uh, that, that doesn't mean that, uh, that, that the things that are on the list of the things that I've seen rabbis do that I wouldn't do are inherently wrong. Um, they're just they're just things that don't feel like my style, right? Um, so that's fine, right? Everybody's entitled to different styles. Um, uh, so I, I'm not I'm not uh, trying to uh, to um, uh, at all to say anything negative about uh, about anything. The, the rabbis who have been here have done um, um, uh, exceptional jobs in, in in some challenging circumstances, uh, and. Um, and they'll continue to do so. So, um, so I've learned a lot from uh, from them, and I, and I take a lot from them. Um, and uh, and 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 the people, um, uh, uh, honestly. I mean, I um, this is something that Rabbi Kiefer uh, said a lot toward the end of his time is that uh, he came here, you know, uh, not expecting to, uh, uh, to to make you know a lot of uh, um, personal connections and uh, and relationships um, because he figured out that you know I'm just going to be there for a year. Nobody's going to have any investment. And, uh, and, and, uh, in a lot of ways, Adira and I felt similarly coming here. So we're going to be here three years, maybe five years, you know, who knows, you're an assistant rabbi, um, people aren't going to really invest, right? And, um, and, and we were, um, really just overwhelmed to find the extent to which, um, uh, we felt, uh, welcomed into the larger Harzion family and part of, uh, of, of the community, um, and, um, um, for me, I, I grew up being involved in the Jewish community, but I wouldn't really say, I mean, I, I interacted with synagogue the way I think most American Jews interact with synagogue, which is that, you know, we would go there for services, we'd go there on the high holidays, I had a bar mitzvah there. Um, my, my grandfather was involved in leadership, uh, was, was the president of my congregation growing up, but, um, but I didn't really feel, you know, deeply part of a community. Um, and what I found here... Um, was the incredible potential of, um, of of what it can feel to be part of a community in the sense of uh, of, of being a, in a larger family um, where people take care of each other, um, and I've seen that of congregants to congregants. I've seen that of congregants to me, um, and uh, and so it, it's given me uh, first of all a lot of really uh, um, cherished relationships that I hope to carry with me for a long time, present company included. Um, uh, but also um, giving me lots of, uh, uh, of, of uh, ideas of, of how to build and sustain um, a community for uh, not just rabbis, for, for uh, all Jews who want to be part of it. I have a question. Yeah. Yeah. You've done beautifully with your answers. Oh, thank you. They're terrific. Like um, Abe said, I practiced them beforehand. Good <laughs> um, just have to fit them to the questions. <laughs> you're very young. Your whole life is ahead of you. Um, around the table, we've had various experiences, and our uh, feelings of being close to God vary and vary with our experiences. And I wonder, as a rabbi, as a young rabbi, when you have moments of doubt, where do you go? For help. Hmm. 
Yeah. So no, I mean um, that's a very good answer. Yeah, I mean uh, I'm glad you I'm glad you offered it for me. Um, so the truth is, um, so the the first thing I want to say, Charlotte, is that um, um, I have doubts all the time, um, uh, and uh, you know, in 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 a lot of ways, I think that. Um, um, faith is not about certainty. It, it's a, it's ultimately about doubt, right? Um, um, uh, because because faith means that I uh, that 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 there's just a lot that I don't know, right? Um, uh, uh, doubt often comes for me most in in the sense of I I, I tend, um, you know, depending on how you approach these, if you're you know, uh, um, if you're uh, uh, Anyway, um, I, I tend to approach things much more intellectually than emotionally, at least at first, and unless I like sort of trigger myself to approach things emotionally, and so um, approaching things intellectually um, helps me in terms of my concept of God, but doesn't necessarily help me in terms of my like feeling of, of connection with God. Um, and so that's where I that's where I encounter my most uh, uh, most of my difficulties is is um, uh, um, I, I can. I can believe in God, but I don't always feel God. Um, and and Phyllis's uh, um, uh, answer, I think, is um, is the best one that I can give at the moment. Um, is that um, I happen to have um, living in my house um, a uh, a really perfect reflection of the image of God, um, and. Uh, Poops more than I imagined God would have, but uh, but a really uh, a really perfect reflection. Slow down. <laughs> uh, uh, um, poop, a really a really perfect reflection of the image of God in, in my house, and and um, um, and so and so I do spend a lot of time um, with her. Um, I, I read an article by a, a friend of mine, a colleague, a classmate of mine, uh, Rabbi Danya Ruttenberg, um, who reflected on uh, on being a young mother. Um, and how her child care has sort of replaced her prayer practice. Um, and, uh, and, and, uh, trying to, um, uh, make an argument, um, really for herself, but I think for, for, for us, why, um, that's actually a valid thing. And, uh, and recently, um, the conservative movement's law committee passed a tshuva written by, uh, uh, Rabbi Pam Barmash, um, about, uh, the, um, uh, um, the obligation of women to um, to observe mitzvot that have classically been un- understood as um, uh, only male obligations. Uh, and what she said is that uh, um, her argument, and I think it was a very compelling one, is that the, the category offered in the Talmud for um, uh, women's observance of the commandments uh, or women's exemption from observance of the commandments, uh, which is mitzvah taseh shazman grama, positive time-bound commandments, um, is actually not really a good category because there's so many exceptions to that rule. And it turns out that the category really, it seems like, was created um, to exempt women from those activities that would have created undue stress on on them uh, um, uh, uh, that, that would have conflicted with the with with the child rearing responsibilities that most women took on unilaterally, right? And so, in a changed context in which uh, women and men share more uh, child rearing responsibilities, um, that category no longer strictly applies. Uh, but she hastened to add that in some ways it might now. Uh, um, uh, 
uh, be understood to apply to men in the same way that it used to apply to women. Um, that uh, when, where men are uh, taking on child care responsibilities, and those conflict with positive time-bound commandments, then men would be exempt from those positive time-bound commandments as well. And I think that that is... That that wrong that was so liberating to me and and felt so true to me because um, there are plenty of times where where I I you know desperately wanted to get to Minion in the morning and felt compelled to go to Minion in the morning but I was dealing with this sick child right and needed to take her to open uh, clinic hours at the at the uh, um, at, at her doctor's office or. Uh, or, or, or Adira was sick and I needed to take care of, the, of, of Lila in the morning, or, you know, any number of permutations. And, um, and, and, and that, to me, I didn't, um, I wanted to go to Minion, but I didn't regret for a second, I didn't feel guilty for a second doing it. So uh, I, this is sort of a tangential way of answering your question, but, the, but to me, the, the ability of, 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 uh, of, of raising, uh, to raise a child or bring a child into the world and take care of that child is deeply spiritual. Um, and so, in moments where uh, I can't connect to uh, to God in sort of the traditional ways, um, those are maybe non-traditional ways um, that that bring me back um, and maybe connect me on a deeper level than than I could have otherwise. The challenge comes when Lila will be a teenager. Oh yeah, um, uh, that's true. And then I'll go back to uh, to the to, to traditional prayer because uh, I'll have no other outlets. Not only that, uh, but you'll be running to Minion early. Yes, right. Um, well, listen, she won't want to have anything to do with me. That's uh, you know, so uh, so uh, so uh, I'll, have, I'll have a lot more time. I'll have a lot more time on my hands. Um, no, but the, the, but going back to the very beginning of the question is um, is I I, I I think that the the doubt is as important as the faith. Um, and, um, and, um, what I try to remind myself is that, um, the, the questions are holy, um, and that the uncertainties are important, um, and, uh, and that, um, and that those are gifts too, um, uh, because there's no such thing as a completely settled life, um, and I don't think we would like it if there was, um, so that's, that's where I stay with that. So a little bit less of a uh, personal question and a little more of a kind of a communal question, if that's okay. Mm-hmm. I didn't know if we, we were all supposed to be. No, no, no. Go ahead. Yeah. So how how would you best, most effectively answer the question that I seem to have heard recently from a number of our uh, less connected, more uh, reform leaning friends, in that they they kind of carry their Judaism in their heart, and therefore don't really need to come to Minion, don't need to partake in shul. Uh, activities, holiday observances, that kind of thing, because it's a very deeply personal thing they carry it in their heart, and that's their commitment. I, I have a hard time answering that. Sometimes I feel like I'm back on my heels, right? Although I, I feel the answer, but I don't, I can't articulate it quite so well. And saying either we're mandated to be there three times a day and, and observe the holidays, or this is what I feel when I go there and what I get from participation in in religious so uh, about I don't know, it must be 10 years ago now um, uh, Arnold Eisen who's now the Chancellor of the Jewish Theological Seminary um, wrote a book with Stephen Cohen who's a Jewish demographer um, they wrote a book called The Jew Within which um, uh, culled the data of American Jews uh, and uh, made a, a, a very convincing case that by and large 
um, American Jews approach their Judaism exactly the way that you described um, um, uh, your friends um, approaching Judaism, um, which is that um, that that, in, that uh, um, there's a, a um, in, an internal feeling of Jewish connection, but that doesn't always translate into um, uh, feelings of uh, commitment or obligation to Jewish uh, forms, uh, and that the classical language. This goes back to the question we were having before about uh, conservative Judaism. The classical language, the the Orthodox <coughs> language of uh, of obligation and authority, um, doesn't translate. Um, uh, to, to most Jews today, and I think understandably so, because we live in a society of um, freedom of religion, which also means freedom from religion and, uh, and, and democratic ideals. We don't, we don't re- uh, relate to religion um, in the sense of, uh, of, of authority. Um, and, and even for myself, I can recognize that though I do personally feel um, uh, obligated um, under a, uh, a system of covenant and commandedness, um, it's a personal choice of mine to, uh, I volunteered myself um, to, uh, to, to be committed under that system of covenant and commandedness, and in some sense I can uh, release myself from that uh, anytime I want. Uh, I, in terms of the, the coherence of my belief, that's challenging, but from a technical standpoint, nothing is stopping me. Um, if, uh, my teacher, Rabbi Artzen, um, uh, um, tells a story once. Um, uh, I don't think it happened to him, but, uh, um, but of, a, um, uh, uh, of a, a conservative rabbi who was uh, um, uh, out with a, uh, a reform rabbi um, uh, you know, in some remote restaurant uh, having lunch. And the conservative rabbi orders a salad, and the reform rabbi says to him, um, you know, come on, Shmuley, you know, um, uh, uh, nobody's, ar- you can order the crab, you know, crab bisque, nobody's around and God doesn't care, right? Um, and in some sense, that reform rabbi is right, you know? Um, I don't think that, uh, that, that um, I, I, don't, I don't think that, that uh, you know, I'm going to get punished by God, you know, for, for, you know, for eating the BLT. Um, and, uh, I mean, I think that people do care whether, whether I do, but on a cosmic level, um, I think it doesn't matter. So anyway, the, but that's sort of, uh, um, tangential. The, my, my point is that I, I can recognize that I, I've volunteered myself to a system of obligation. And even in the Orthodox world, um, though many won't admit it, um, and in some parts of the Orthodox world, it's not totally true because there's a lot of social compulsion. Um, uh, but it's really only social, right? Uh, there's no, there's no, uh, uh, in, in, in mostly, I mean, you know, there, there are people all the time who leave the Haredi world and, uh, and, uh, and, and, you know, uh, find their way to other parts of the Jewish community or not at all in the Jewish community. Um, so anyway, well, we live in a, in a, in a, in a world of, uh, of Jewish volunteering, right? So I guess the the uh, the answer that I would give is a personal one, right? Is uh, is not why you should feel obligated in ways that you do not, um, but why I feel what I feel like I get out of uh, um, um, ascribing to a system of, uh, of of discipline and practice, um, and there's a lot that I get out of it. Um, there's a lot that that's challenging to me, um, but I think that that's a good thing. I think that we, uh, you know, human beings thrive with with challenge. Um, but uh, but but uh, but in in a certain sense, those people are right. Um, in 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 the sense that uh, you know, and if and if uh, uh, Jewish observance um, isn't um, 
isn't isn't meaningful to them, doesn't doesn't feel compelling to them, um, then then saying to them, but you have to, um, is not going to really be a compelling argument, right? Um, uh, it might make them feel a little guilty, but uh, but it's not going to be a, a compelling argument. I think that uh, the the better argument is, um, um, what what does this do for me? What do what do I suggest it might do for you? Um, that's I think the that's that's the uh, um, winning conversation. Um, but uh, but the truth is, um, I don't need <coughs> other people to practice Judaism like I practice in order for me to feel fulfilled in practicing Judaism the way I practice it, right? So um, so so in some ways, if other people want to practice Judaism or not the way that is meaningful to, to them, and they feel uh, fulfilled and and, and uh, uh, flourishing in their lives, I say that's great. I think that there are plenty of ways of living besides Judaism that can make you a good person and that can help you lead a fulfilled life. I don't think Judaism is the only way. Um, so, so I would say that to them. But if you're looking for a way to uh, to give your life uh, more meaning, to to to, um, to offer deeper connection with community, to uh, have um, uh, tried and true ways of uh, of communing with the divine, relating to the divine. Of, um, of, of, of inspiring um, you to, uh, to be a better person and make the world a better place and be able to uh, have concrete ways of passing those values on to your children, um, then I invite you to, um, uh, to, to uh, look at Judaism from the perspective that I approach it um, because it offers all of those things. Also, and thank you for that. That was, that was excellent. I think also in the context of an earlier question around the conservative movement around Judaism in, in general, our numbers, according to the Pew study, etc., was around with the adoption of that type of mentality. And I'm not saying people who were part of the system observing Shabbat and keeping kashrut and attending shul for minyan, but people who never did. I sometimes feel like that's offered up as an excuse that I carry my Judaism in here, and that inevitably leads to potentially marrying out of the faith, raising children who aren't Jewish, helping that whole Pew study go further in the wrong direction. So that's what I, I was really asking is, in an effort to help kind of curb that when we have interaction with folks who seem to be well beyond the fringe, right, and, and, and the whole branch of the tree is falling off, how, what's the best way to really kind of get them invested to, to, to maybe say, oh, you know, maybe there is something I should be looking at. Yeah, but I, but I, but I, I guess I would just reframe the question, right? Um, and, and this is something I've been involved, as some of you know, with an organization called Rabbis Without Borders. Well, it's a program called Rabbis Without Borders. The organization that runs it is called CLAW. Um, and uh, and, and the, the reframing of the question that they offer is that most of the demographic studies um, have focused on the question of how Jewish are you? Right? And the way they measure how Jewish you are is by what Jewish practices you do. But that's actually not the only way of measuring how Jewish a person is, and I'm actually not sure um, who gets to decide the criteria for what it means to be you know, the most Jewish or the least Jewish. <coughs> We're, so we've chose, chosen to define you know, Jewishness by ritual observance, but that's not the only way of defining Jewishness. Um, and so you could say, okay, well, you know, uh, people define their Jewishness in another way, and that's an excuse for not um, observing in a particular way. But I'm not, I'm not prepared to uh, to place that judgment on on uh, on other people. So the the way the uh, uh, the way Claw wants to reframe the question is engaging in their own demographic study to do this. Um, I, I hope I didn't uh, um, let the cat out of the bag on that because I think it's public. Um, 
is now. Is now. Uh, <laughs> is, is to ask not how Jewish are you, but how do you Jew? Right? And, um, and that, I think, is a more revealing question. And from those very people who we say, well, you don't observe Shabbos, so you're not Jewish enough, um, for them to, to have the opportunity to say all of the ways in which they feel strongly connected to Jews. Because the Pew study says 90 plus percent of American Jews uh, um, uh, feel passionate about Judaism. 80 plus percent feel like Judaism is an important part of their lives. And yet they don't, most of them don't ritually observe these things. So that means there's a disconnect in the survey, I think. So what does it mean to them that Judaism is an important part of their lives and that they're, they're, they feel proud to be Jews? Clearly it means something to them, so we're just not asking the right questions about what that means. Um, so, so to me, um, I think that we'll, be, we'll, 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 feel, we'll, we'll have a more accurate picture of the Jewish landscape and feel more positive about the Jewish landscape, have, have less of a narrative of decline um, uh, if, we, if we reframe the question a little bit. Um, and and I, just, I, don't, I don't buy into the, the narrative of, uh, of, of decline. Um, I think that uh, um, there there are lots of ways of being Jewish. I think in some ways the the Jewish community is um, evolving, not declining. I think in a hundred years Judaism will look different than it does today, and I think in in a lot of ways that's a good thing. In some ways, I imagine there'll be things that we've lost and we can't get back. Um, but that's true of Judaism today versus a hundred years ago, and there are a lot of things that we've gained that we wish we would have had a hundred years ago, right? Like, the freedom to choose what Jewish community you want to belong to, we have, a hundred, we have today, we didn't have it a hundred years ago, really, right? So, um, we've lost some things, yeah, but we've gained some, some big things, right? A um, hundred years ago, we didn't have full women's participation in Judaism. Now, most of the Jewish world takes it as a given that women have full participation in, in Judaism. Have we lost some things in the evolution of Judaism? Yeah, but we've gained a big thing, right? So, I think in a hundred years, we'll say the same thing, um, and Will there be less Jews who are Shomer Shabbos? Yes, maybe, right? Um, but will there be a lot of new great things about Judaism in 100 years? Yeah, I think so. And I think we'll be a stronger community for it. Well, let me take us a All right, we, hold on. I'm just going to close the podcast now before we have another question. Um, and uh, we're out of time. And I just want to thank everybody for, uh, for being here and for your participation, for your great questions this morning. I hope I've been able to... Uh, to uh, uh, offer uh, as uh, even a modicum of, uh, of uh, as good an answer as the questions were, and I'll be thinking about the questions uh, for, for a long time. So thank you very much, and uh, please, 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 let's stay in touch together. I-